Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of MBA Insider, as well as the founder of MBA School. And today I have Brad Vonick, a recent MBA graduate from the University of Texas, Austin, Macomb School of Business. And I'm glad and appreciative to have Brad on today. Brad just recently graduated from McCombs, and in addition to being able to have the MBA experience, he also was able to experience um, a little bit of the topsy-turviness of the last quarter of business school. Um, as everyone was experiencing, you know, kind of disruptions to COVID, uh, business school was not immune. And so um, I'm excited to have Brad here today because he's going to talk a little bit about his experience in business school, kind of navigating through COVID, as well as you know, really digging into how he was able to really make the most of his time, you know, despite the fact that um, nobody predicted what that last quarter was going to be like and, you know, definitely threw a ton of curveballs, but uh, was still able to take advantage of a really great opportunity at being at a great school like McCombs. So um, with that, Brad, so first off, thank you so much uh, for joining today. Um, Maybe just to start, give us a little bit of your, your background, you know, what were you doing before business school? And then, you know, why did you choose to get your MBA from McCombs? For sure. So first off, thank you for having me. First time uh, on on the pod and on any pod for that matter. So uh, very honored and humbled uh, in that regard. I had been working in a few different areas under the marketing umbrella before school. I started off in media planning. Most recently, I was at a finance technology company. I was working in digital strategy a little bit, but mostly account management. And the main reason, well, I, I knew I wanted to go back to business school since my freshman year of college. So that actually made me focus on that liberal arts route in undergrad. I've always been passionate about human behavior, consumer behavior, um, actually started with golf, which is a separate story. But um, I, I came back to school because I wanted to shift from more the execution side of marketing to strategy. So that's what got me a business school. Um, I I say that a lot of things in life are a lot of little things that add up. And for me, choosing McCombs, that was was certainly the case. It's a great city to be in. I had never heard a bad thing about Austin. Um, It's the best of both worlds where you have the resources and the brands of the University of Texas, but a smaller class size compared to a lot of other top programs. I can go on and on about that, but that's kind of how I got to McCombs. And um, fortunately, I was able to come out on the other side of graduation, uh, I think a day before graduation when I got my offer um, and um, staying in uh, marketing and staying in Austin. That's great. And for all the listeners at home, uh, make sure to go to mbaschool.com and check out Brad's story. Uh, It's a phenomenal one. Uh, We'll make sure that we Link it in the show notes, uh, but uh, I'm happy to say Brad is gainfully employed and uh, is keeping keeping busy. Um, and I uh, 
we could do a whole separate podcast on two topics that you just mentioned. One is the value of a liberal arts degree, particularly in conjunction with an MBA and kind of the, the best of both worlds uh, of both, uh, both of which tend to get ragged on for various reasons, but both I think have incredible value uh, in, in their own respective rights. Um, and then the second one is the value of going to an MBA program that is a smaller community. Um, I am obviously biased because you know, QNC Keaton Flagler is probably around the same uh, same size as, as McCombs, and there's a lot of similarities there. But uh, podcast for a different day, but two, two things that uh, definitely resonate with me as you just kind of mentioned them. So take us to maybe uh, March, um, if I remember correctly, just from uh, your story, uh, when COVID really started to come alive, as they say, as well as to really impact business school, I believe you were, you were traveling or you were on your way back uh, from, a, from a trip. Can you maybe replay what was going on in your, your head and your mind and as it kind of unfurled and just how did that really shift your mindset, you know, moving forward, particularly when it was announced that your MBA experience was going to be a lot different than you had expected it to be? Yeah, I, I, you know, I've always been very career oriented. I think most people in business school are, but um, I came back and was re-recruiting and was pretty selective with my recruiting in the fall. I knew there were so many great companies out there and bigger brands too, that just couldn't hire someone eight months in advance. So I was having a lot of good conversations in January, February that were going to be leading to interviews. Um, and before COVID happened, I was in, I spent some time in Columbia for spring break, which was really exciting. I actually met um, uh, someone, Vaughn, who was also on, maybe not on the pod, but I know had been featured in MBA school before, met him randomly with a group of uh, Yale uh, school management people as well. But um, I, my plan coming back from the Columbia trip was to really focus on uh, enjoying the end of business school, my friends, but also focusing on that job search. And when COVID happened, I came back and uh, the social component obviously went away. And I, I, I was spending, we had, so for McCombs, we had spring break extended from two weeks to three. And I came back after a week in Columbia. So I had two weeks of spring break and it was more or less a full-time job. I was probably spending 40, 50, 60 hours a week, definitely over a hundred hours spent on spring break of all of the research, all of the coffee chats and networking and all of that. Um, and it burns me out pretty quickly. Um, I, I ha always had in my head this idea that, well, you have to have a job by, grad by graduation. Um, even when the circumstances hit, I still didn't change my mindset there. Um, and I was casting a much wider net like everyone was. Um, and, and that was definitely a bit of a challenge for me. But what I had learned after a couple of weeks was that I was burning out so quickly. And this probably wasn't going to be something that was going to end in three days from now. So I, I kind of hit the reset button. I revamped my resume. I added a portfolio. Um, one thing that I'm sure will come up again later is just I really leaned on a lot of the people around me. Um, I think all of my close friends can say that I always go to them for opinions, 
personal, professional, anything. Um, and I think that was extremely valuable to put things in perspective for me and also to kind of build that confidence in a world where when you're job searching, you, you're going to get knocked down a lot of times. And a lot of that has nothing to do with you as a person or as a candidate. Thanks for sharing that. And I think there's a couple of things that you said that really resonated and I want to bring them to light. And I think the first thing is, is that this idea that it's a, it's, um, it's a, it's a marathon, not a race. And, you know, there certainly will be elements where you do have to maybe sprint a little bit because the deliverable is such where that uh, it makes you do that, but particularly, and not a doctor, not a health expert, but just given the direction of how this is heading, uh, it, it sounds like we're going to be living through this for a while. And so my, you know, one of the takeaways I also got from it too, is that, um, you know, navigating through a quarter was certainly challenging, but for many either incoming MBA students or, or soon to be second years, uh, this is a reality that they will have to deal with. And so I think one of the lessons I take from that, what you just said is that, um, yes, continue to take advantage of the time you have, but remember that there's you know no reason to, to sprint the entire time because um, we're all human and we will eventually run out of, of gas and energy. And, um, you know, and then there's also something to be said, I think in there about like, if you actually want to be at your best, you actually have to spend the time to take care of yourself so that you can be at your best or else you'll just be burned out. Um, the second thing I heard in there is the importance of relying on the people around you and particularly during, um, you know, challenging times. And I also think in general too, uh, one of the, uh, you know, when, when you're, when you're out in the working world and you're not happy with your job and you start a job search, uh, in a lot of ways, you're constrained by the limited amount of people that you're willing to tell that you're searching for a job. Um, when you're in school, you can talk about with anyone that you want. Right. And so I think particularly as you navigated, um, the, the last quarter, I think that is a great, I think a great lesson that I take away, particularly with respect to job search or internship searches, but honestly for anything is just the ability to rely on your peers and rely on the community because um, you don't have to do it alone. Um, and you certainly can use those people um, to, to help in terms of propel you forward. Um, so those were a couple of the things that really stood out, but I wanted to maybe ask you a little bit further a little bit more about, you know, building those relationships with your peers and continuing to foster those relationships, especially, you know, just given the reality that you couldn't kind of see a lot of people the same way you used to kind of see them. Um, and it's, it's very clear to me, at least, that relationships are important to you. And so, um, you know, what, uh, what are some of the ways you went about kind of being able to maintain or even try to grow some of those relationships, you know, fully knowing they, they weren't, you weren't able to do them in the same kinds of ways? Yeah, one one kind of general call out that I think was pretty important, and it takes time for a lot of people to understand this, is just the idea of sometimes if you're very proactive about keeping up with friendships and relationships, and the person on the other end is just not responsive or they're uh, they're radio silent, it, it, they could be a great human. I have some some people who. I love as, as people and as friends, but they're very inactive and you put in a lot of effort to keep up some friendships and um, it's okay to kind of let those go. But the positive of that, which is the complete opposite is 
when you find someone, when you find good people, you, you hold on to them and you kind of keep those connections going, whether that's just from a friend perspective or um, a professional perspective and it turns into a friend. I, I think the story of honestly meeting you is a really good example of that for, for the listeners who aren't aware. Um, there is a product marketing Slack channel that I was a part of in the spring and in looking at job postings, Al posted a role um, at Salesforce. I think it was a senior product manager role. And I reached out, I sent him a private message and I said, Oh, you know, super interested in this role. Here's my background. And Al very politely said, you are not qualified for this at all. I have people who have been product marketers for 10 years applying for this role. And I was like, all right, cool, 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 cool. And you said, with that said, I'm, I'm happy to, to chat with you and get an understanding of your background and let you know kind of what skills are transferable and, and how you can position yourself to make that pivot. And we had that first chat and I knew immediately that you were just a good dude and a good person who's kind of willing to help, not for some personal gain. Um, and I think there are a lot of people in business school who are like that, or at least, um, that was kind of my experience. So that, that was kind of one main part. Um, I'm not sure if there's a follow-up or I, I don't even know if I answered the question, to be honest. No, it's good. I mean, when, uh, just so we're clear, I did not pay Brad to say that. So thank you. And hopefully I wasn't too much of a jerk in my response. Uh, but, but no, I mean, I think. I think what you're what you're highlighting is one of the things that that comes to mind, at least for me, is that um, particularly with respect to the job search, but even beyond that, um, business school gives you a chance to expand your your relationships with others, right? And certainly, some of that's going to come from your classmates and the people that you would normally see every day. But it doesn't stop there. Um, you know, certainly, it's alum and you know and whatnot, but. It could be people from other MBA programs. Um, it could be people in the industry or function that you're interested in. And you know, when everyone's virtual, like what does it matter if it's not someone you can see in person anyway? Um, it's uh, it's 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 a golden opportunity there. And so, um, yeah, no, I I think that I think that I think that does kind of hit on it. And maybe as a drill down there, um, what about with respect to kind of your Macomb's peers, right? In terms of um, you know, certainly not being able to see them nearly as much, but like, you know, how could you, how were you able to kind of maintain relationships, you know, with them or find, you know, ways, I mean, obviously, you know, there's, uh, I'm sure you probably did a million Zoom things, but just outside of that, you know, what, you know, what were the other things that you kind of relied on, you know, to, you know, as, cause as you mentioned, you know, as you were thinking about that last quarter, you really wanted to use it to kind of have that social life. And that certainly kind of, got dialed back a little bit, but certainly there were some ways in which you were able to go about it. Yeah, I think um, there, there is something about having connections and knowing people at other schools and keeping things in perspective that I do want to come back on later. So in case I forget, I'm saying it now. But as it relates to within the McCombs community, um, I think Austin, when COVID really um, became so extreme and so impactful in the U.S. I think I was grateful to be in a place like Austin for that. Um, for one, it's just the temperature. I mean, I was in April and I was talking to my brother in Connecticut 
and he said, Oh, uh, do you want to, do you want to chat today? I'm going to go for a walk. And I was like, Oh no, I can't today. How about tomorrow? He said, Oh, well, it's been in the forties every day. And today it's going to be a high of 63. And then it's going to be back in the forties every day. And he was telling me this and I had been in wearing shorts for weeks. And so in that regard with McCombs, I was very grateful to be in a place where you can be outside and um, still be socially distant. And the, the reason that I bring that up is because that encouraged a lot of walks um, and activities where you can sit in a park and sit away from people. Um, Texas has this reputation of not handling COVID well. And I, I love my city of Austin where I'm still living and still calling home. But that is 100% accurate. It's it's a dumpster fire in a lot of ways, but it is really great. And Austin is a city that really enables that outdoors lifestyle where you can still be safe about it. So so that was one thing that really worked well. I think another part is something I was actually really proud of during my time at UT, and I'm also going to put in an un uh, a plug for Slack, and I have no ties or sponsorships. I'm just a very avid Slack user, as the McCombs community knows. Um, and they have this bot or integration with Donut, and you can essentially create these random pairings of two random people in the Slack group. And so I created one initially for our class of 2020 when I was a first year, and then another one. Um, of first years and second years. And so every Tuesday morning, it would pair everyone in the group with someone different. And it would basically say like, start a conversation, grab coffee, go on a walk. Um, and during COVID, that was something that, I mean, I, I leaned on it throughout and, and people skip some weeks and then they get active. But one thing that was great during COVID is when I had some of these coffee chats with classmates, some I knew, some I didn't, um, a lot of them said, I really leaned into this because it was a great way to stay in touch with maybe, you know, someone you're friendly with, but don't talk to that much and hear about their life or someone who's totally different from you. Um, I'm single. I don't really know that many people in Texas outside of the McCombs community. And to get paired with someone who is an international student, but might have moved there with their significant other and maybe have a child. Um, it's just, it's fascinating hearing the other parts of their life, the things related to COVID that you're mutually struggling through or you're mutually grateful for. And then on the flip side, some things where, you know, you, you recognize that everything is relative. That's great. Um, uh, I love how you basically created uh, Tinder for your classmates uh, via sl yeah. Slack, uh, just a Slack bot. Um, it's funny that you say that because I literally just read an article about how internally at um, SAP, the software company, they basically did something similar. Uh, and the article basically referred to it as like a, um, a, a Tinder for employees, but it was meant to, in particular, to um, to help improve uh, loneliness um, amongst people who are working from home or are, um, you know, are not, you know, with a family or not with a significant other and just, you know, wanting that connection. Um, because I think if anything we've learned from these past few months is that um, 
and while I'm sure we knew this, but um, as human beings, we, we do crave some level of connection and affiliation with, with others, right? And so I, I love that you were able to, to, to do something like that. And it sounds like you and your classmates certainly got, uh, got a lot out of that. Um, so one of the things that you mentioned a little bit um, with, um, with respect to the career search, but I'm sure it maybe manifested itself in some other ways is that, um, let's face it, um, it was a really tough time. There, there are some challenging moments. Um, I'm just, I'm curious, you know, in those moments where it was tough or, you know, things didn't seem fair or it was just, you're just having like a, a crappy day for whatever reason. Like, um, how did you kind of manage, you know, through those? I mean, obviously we all have those days in normal times, but I feel like in, you know, during these, during, particularly during those couple months, like I, I think it probably got 10 X in some respects. So I'm just, how did you kind of navigate through like those, those moments? Yeah, I, you know, I, I talked about um, the support system and I'd argue that your business school friends are a stronger support system than any other group at, at any other point. They're, more powerful than college friends in college, uh, work colleagues, pre-MBA. If you've built a strong network at your program, that, that's really what can carry you. You know, if you're running out of gas, they're going to be the cheerleaders who make you see the finish line. And if you do run out of gas, they will be the, the metaphorical car that picks you up and brings you to refuel. I mean, I could name names, but I think those closest to me know how critical they were. I think a lot of people tell me how resilient I was, but completely honest, Al, I didn't feel that resilient. I just felt beyond grateful to have a team around me that kept me going. Um, I think as it relates to kind of keeping that mentality, I, I mean, I, to be clear, Al, I, I knew what I signed up for, but, but the COVID questions are hard. You know, because there's no way to sugarcoat this situation. I, I think the, the negativity is okay. It's okay to accept that this world sucks sometimes um, in ways well beyond COVID, of course. But the key is to make sure that this negativity that someone may be going through is a temporary mood or a temporary phase because you can pout for a bit, but that's not going to change things. It, it's obviously a part of the grieving process, but you have to be able to move on because everyone around you will, or at least they will on the surface. And, and the ones who aren't able to, to move on are gonna be the ones who get left behind. So that was really kind of what, what helped me recognize that it, it's okay. You don't need to try and deny that this situation is less than ideal, but it's going through the stages of grief and recognizing that you have to hit a point where you flip the switch and say, okay, this is what it is. What am I going to do about it to, to still move on and still crush the situation that I'm in? Yeah. And I think, you know, what I liken it to, which is, and this is hopefully on a much lesser scale, but I think it is similar if you have an interview that you just bomb, right? Like it's, it's natural to feel upset or pissed or angry or what have you. But if you let it linger for too long, then like, you, like at some point you have to let it go because at that point there's nothing else you can do. It's out of your control and you can either choose to kind of 
accept the fact that it's out of your control, learn from it or move on and take advantage of the next shot you get or let it eat away at you and, and, um, and, and not. And so, um, that, you know, obviously COVID is a much worse than most interview bombed interviews, but I, I liken it to the notion of, um, and I know this is something we've also talked about previously, this idea of understanding and acknowledging the things that you can control versus the things that you legitimately can't. And a lot of COVID just falls into the things that you can't control category, which is also sometimes the things that make it, the reasons why it makes it so, it makes you so irate <laughs> because mm-hmm. there's nothing you can legitimately do about it. Um, and then I think the other thing, which uh, is inherent in what you're saying, I think is that again, like things are, are like, if you, if you also think about the things that even in COVID still continue to be true, like truths, right? Like what is continue to be true? A truth. A truth is that you're surrounded by a great community. A truth is that, you are at a top public institution in the United States. Like a truth is that in this job search, you have an amazing career group of career resources at your disposal. Like all those things are still true. Right. And so um, I think it's all important to keep those in perspective too, because mm-hmm. those are still opportunities that you have at your disposal, even if you are upset or are struggling that you can lean on and take advantage of. Yep. I think that's a really good point because you talk about not letting something get you down too much and it's a really strong word, but you just can't let the situation become toxic, right? Life is a roller coaster. Business school, maybe in our class of 285-ish people, maybe I could count on one hand the people who had a perfect experience with their career search and um, socially sure. and grades and finding a significant other, but most people, business school is its own little roller coaster. COVID is a roller coaster. I mean, I think no matter what life stage you're in, you have some good days about COVID where you wake up and you go outside and you say, wow, I am really grateful for a lot of things. And then yeah. other days, uh, there's the flip side, but it, it comes down to making sure that the lows are never too low that you can't crawl back out of it. And the highs, you kind of take those and hold on to them. And that's what kind of keeps you driving forward. Yeah. I think that's a great way of putting it. Um, so, you know, thinking about that last, the last couple months, um, could you maybe talk about or maybe share um, some of the, the either things you did, activities you did, things you got to do that you, that you were really happy that you were able to do? you know, despite the fact that you, you had some less than ideal conditions, you know, with COVID, you know, like what were some of those uh, activities that either you had a lot of fun with? Um, obviously, the donut Slack bot is, I'm sure, at the top, one of the things that's on there. But, you know, what else were you able to kind of do that um, you kind of look back on? And you're like, you know what, like, not an ideal situation, but that was still really a lot of fun. And I'm glad I got to do it. Yeah, I'd say my top two passions in life in terms of activities. One is travel. That is obviously compromised during COVID. I think a lot of people in business school have that same passion. The other is golf. And I'm very grateful that um, golf was something, especially because I wasn't the most extreme, but I was definitely more on the cautious end of the spectrum and still am with COVID. And I'm really grateful that Golf is something that I was still very comfortable doing. It'd be a great way to see friends, 
close friends, um, people who you don't see that often, but you get a chance to spend four hours on a golf course with. And there are obviously a lot of uh, components about golf and how long it takes that aren't necessarily ideal. But when you go on the course for four hours, you get much more than, than a nice little walk and a little catch up on life. And then you go your separate ways. So that was one thing that I loved being able to do. Um, and what's great about it is golf is something you can do regardless of skill level. I have a couple of friends who are very good at tennis and they'll play with me once and it's fun, but I can't hang with them. And so it's not necessarily something we're going to go do twice a week. Golf. uh, The only thing you do in golf is beat up on yourself, right? You can go play with anyone, no matter how good or bad they are. Um, So that was something that, that was really fun. Um, I think obviously everyone has plenty of alone time during COVID, but I think it's important to kind of think about what, when you are alone, what are the things that really, that you derive the most value from? Do you, are you at ease when you're sitting and watching a TV show um, or when you're laying in bed, reading a book or in my case, uh, maybe a month before COVID happened, my roommate bought a hammock and I would go and just sit on our deck and um, we were right next to the train track. So that got uh, in the way from my Zen moments a little bit, but you could kind of, you could see the sunset going over the hills and often, and that was where I felt the most at ease. Even if I was working on the cover letter, I felt totally at ease doing it. Um, and it, for me, that is what was great for my sanity so much so that I had a very long and extensive apartment search where I was prioritizing an amazing view above all else. So I think one of the really, uh, important things about business school in general, and we can talk about this for a long time, but especially as it relates to COVID is when you have that alone time. What, what puts you in your happy place or your happiest place? And the part that relates to business school in general is that answer is different for everyone. Um, and, and I think once you kind of recognize what that is, that's where you maximize doing the things that make you the most happy, given the circumstances we're in. Yeah, I think that's a great approach. I, I do have to say, as you're saying all this, I'm literally thinking of Happy Gilmore and him going to his happy place and, and then his, mm-hmm. when his grandma or when he does it and shooter McGavin's in, uh, uh, in, in his hat, like with the bad time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yep. but no, but, but you, but you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. And the other thing I was going to say is, yeah, there's a reason why they call golf a good walk spoiled. Um, but, uh, mm-hmm. but yes, I agree. It is the only sport you can, or anyone of all levels can play. And the only person you can be mad at is yourself. Um, what, no. And I think for me, what I, what I knew for myself and even from in my book, I talked about this in MBA Insider, um, the ability, the ability to, um, to have, even in a non-COVID times, the ability to have, to make space, um, to understand if you haven't figured it out already, like what does make you happy or what does, where you do derive value or, um, in, uh, in my world of Catholic Jesuit education, what gives you joy, um, I think is, is a really great time to, to think about that if you haven't. Um, but then also to kind of, 
if you do figure it out the, to, to do what you did and to start thinking about, all right, well, like if that is what, if that is what it is, like, how do I make space and time for that? Oh, by the way, like you do have time for that because it's COVID. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, and what are the things that I can do? But, you know, for me, like I remember having the time to do that as well. And that actually translated over really well because when I got back into the workforce and got back into consulting and was traveling all the time and didn't have a ton of time to, to do things, um, I, I knew when I did have that time, the types of things that were going to bring me to that happy place. Uh, and kind of bring me back to balance. And so, you know, non-COVID times for sure, but still very much valuable in and of itself. Um, and so I, I do encourage, you know, whether it's sitting on a hammock or whatever it is, like find, you know, um, you know, uh, what is it? Corona, find your beach. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, find paying, your beach. Although they should, maybe if they want to sponsor us, that would be okay. They should. Um, but but, but no, but, but yeah, but I, that's, you know, kind of like what is, yeah, fine find your hammock, find your beach, like find what it is and, and find ways to incorporate it into your, uh, into your life to give you that, to give you that balance. Um, because you, you have the time, you have the space. Um, okay, great. So I want to get your p- uh, feedback and thoughts now, you know, this, when we're shooting this, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's almost the beginning of second year, or perhaps in some cases it's the beginning of second year for some students. And certainly it's the beginning of business school for some, for some incoming students, but I want to talk specifically for second years because, you know, they lived through the last quarter and then they're going to have to navigate through the next year. Um, you're graduated and back in the workforce, but you have, you know, a quarter of this under your belt. Um, what, you know, what, what do you kind of think or how do you kind of think second year should be really approaching, you know, this second year of business school? Um, obviously you had an approach last year and it's going to be different, but, you know, having gone through this, but also having gone through COVID, you know, what do you kind of, you know, what would you, if you were second year right now, just given the circumstances, what are, you know, what would your approach be or what would your mindset be uh, just to give some folks out there some food for thought as they, you know, kind of think about what their year is going to be like? I think that is a great question. And for better or for worse, you have to segment the audiences here. You have yeah. the group that came back, accepted their internship offer. And that answer is going to be very different. Well, parts of it are going to be very different from the group that um, has to re-recruit for the various reasons that people re-recruit. I'll start with maybe the the people who are re-recruiting, just because that was the boat uh, that I was in and and exploring other opportunities. Um, You know, my brother, and we talked about this the other day, my, my brother talked to me about the the Mamba mentality and he wasn't a huge Kobe fan by any means um but especially over the the 2020 um and and he's no longer with us of course but the Mamba mentality and just kind of thinking about COVID and thinking about this is happening to everyone around you and it's still a time to thrive. It's still a time to rise above the pack, right? Um, that doesn't change. So for those who are recruiting, again, um, kind of think about that. And I'm not saying that, and I think where I need to decouple this from the Mamba mentality is that it doesn't need to be in a cutthroat way. Um, I'm not a cutthroat person. And I think at times, sometimes I tell myself I need to be a little more so, but 
you you don't need to have this i'm gonna rise above the pack mentality by putting other people down in the process um how do you rise above the pack but bring your whole class with you so from a re-recruiting perspective you really think about almost laughing at the situation and saying like all right this is this is the world we're in this is what my second year of recruiting is going to be like um at least i'm still in an environment where i have career coaches and i have others around me and i'm still furthering my education um and, and so really kind of taking that and and running with it i think for the second part which is applicable to everyone whether you are recruiting or not um I think being spontaneous is something that's pretty important. Being spontaneous in a safe way during these times, but um, th there's still last-minute decisions that you can make and things that you can do in in a virtual or distance world. So maybe you're you see something or you hear about something, and don't hesitate to reach out to a friend or maybe someone that you're not super close with and say, hey, I just read about this or I just saw this as a fun quarantine thing to do. You want to give it a try. Whether it's, we had, um, our program had a period between finals and graduation. And I think a lot of other programs have that as well, where it's every day is a different day of activities. We'll say that. Um, and it's an opportunity to get creative and be creative with your friends and, um, I think going back to the being spontaneous part, it's a really good opportunity to almost use it as an excuse to hang out with virtually or in person. Someone who you didn't necessarily know that well during business school. I felt like in college, there were people when I was graduating, where I was like, wow, that person was so cool. I wish I had like spent more time with them starting sophomore year, right? In business school, I you can't do that with everyone, but I tried to be a little better of the first year. Maybe there was someone who I thought was really intelligent or really similar to me, but we just, we weren't in different classes or we weren't in different clubs. And I, I don't be afraid to just kind of reach out and, and engage with different people. I think it's fun to hear different perspectives. You learn and you grow as a person um, when you're, in different environments and, and so that's definitely a piece of advice that that I would have and I think what it all boils down to at the end of the day is everyone's in this together so you kind of keep that perspective and it makes some of the maybe seemingly random outreaches seem not so random anymore yeah and I know that was a lot so, no, sorry, that's good that long answer no for sure it's it's funny you bring up Kobe I was literally <laughs> Uh, I actually am going to send it to you afterwards. I was I was listening to a podcast between JJ Redick and uh, Dwayne Wade. Uh, for those of you who are not sports fans, um, Dwayne Wade, uh, future Hall of Famer, um, NBA player, JJ Redick, probably not a Hall of Famer, but a pretty good basketball player for black and better words. But JJ has a podcast, and uh, they were sharing Kobe stories, and they Dwayne Wade brought up this story where. They were, they were, it was the 08 Olympics, I want to say, and they were, they were traveling for it somewhere abroad. 
And uh, when they travel, like they, the players never have time to sleep when they travel because they're either traveling or they're going to work out or what have you. And so apparently they got in really late. And so they all got their workouts in. They all went to uh, all finish their workouts at like some ungodly hour because they got in at a weird time and they finished at like two in the morning. And so apparently it was like Dwayne Wade and a couple other people and Kobe was there and they all agreed that like whoever the first one to wake up, person to wake up, uh, would like tell the other people and they would go and get breakfast together. So uh, they go down the next morning to go and get breakfast and Kobe's not there. The reason why he's not there is because he's showering because he just had finished another workout <laughs> before they had already eaten breakfast. Um, mm-hmm. And it is just like classic Kobe. But the, the lesson I think in that specific case is that, um, you know, Kobe never took a day off. He never took anything for granted, right? Like he, he always made the most of, of what he had and that was channeling it to a singular goal that he had, right? And so whenever you do have a goal that you do want to achieve, um, and you have a set of resources around you, um, don't take it for granted and, and make the most of, 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 of what you have. And so I do think the mama mentality does resonate in a, in a different way, but I understand what you were saying. Um, so I just wanted to tie that together nicely because uh, it, was, it was timely. <laughs> I, love, I love that you brought that up too for nothing related to this podcast, but just because Dwayne Wade is um, probably one of my favorite athletes um, probably one of the first times that I was inspired to read a book when he wrote a book on uh, becoming a father and changing his perspective, um, a life stage I'm very far from still. Um, <laughs> my internet password is his name because his name is spelled in a weird way. And then on the flip side, because J- JJ Reddick um, just started his own podcast or, or fully yeah. fledged podcast. Um, uh, we don't need to talk about JJ Reddick that much as a Wake Forest guy, um, yeah. and for you yeah, as a UNC destroyed, guy. He destroyed, yeah, he destroyed you guys. Yeah, we have we have our opinions about um, people yeah. like JJ Reddick and their university, but uh, um, I think that's a great story. I think it was Beijing. Was yeah, it was. No, it definitely was. Mm-hmm. Um, but tying um, tying to something else, I think that I think that uh, um, I think that you said. Um, so there's, I think there's a couple things in there. Um, and I'd be curious to, to know how you approached it because you did some, you chose to kind of re-recruit mostly in towards the end of the year. And certainly there's kind of, you know, a gap between the fall and then the end of the year, right. In terms of that recruiting piece, but um, with, you know, if, if you are, so a couple things, number one, um, yeah. Like if you've accept, decided to accept your offer, like fantastic, that's great. You know, think about what you're going to do to make the most of what you have left, right? And hopefully somewhere in there, it's a combination of building skills and experiences that are going to help you be great at your first job or that you know you're going to need. Um, Hopefully there's something in there about lending a hand to some classmates who are searching for jobs. Um, You know, I know that a lot of people do that in normal times. And I think um, in COVID times, I think it's even just, it's more important. Um, So I think hopefully there's an element of that in there. And then, Certainly also, you know, making time for fun. Um, but for the group of folks who are recruiting, whether it's in the fall or, or the spring. Um, uh, so like you, for you, you, I assume last year you did a little bit in the fall, um, but then you really picked up in the spring. You know, if you're someone who is like that um, this year, how do you use those months kind of like in between, right? Of like um, when you acknowledge that, you know, you're going to do a little bit of stuff right now, but the majority of it's going to come, you know, when you graduate, or if you're just someone who is 
you know your industry is going to be just it's going to just be like you know recruiting that comes just in time after you graduate um what is kind of like the right way to kind of think about how you spend like you know the months from now until maybe like next march or april when things really start to pick up again yeah that's a great question it's funny because i'm also um i am not the most risk-seeking person so i think some of my friends were surprised that i said, okay, well, I'm, I'm really focused on more of that just-in-time recruiting. Um, I think for me, because there's some stuff in the fall, but, but you really think about the October, November, December, and then early of January, February, when it's too early to apply for jobs. And I went through this whole exercise in undergrad, too, where I would apply for some roles with a liberal arts degree, which is a different story. Um, and I applied for roles in February and they would ask, can you start in mid March? And I said, well, I haven't graduated yet. And I went through that exercise a little bit now, uh, this past year, because you never know. Um, but I think what's really important and, and I've always been someone who thinks that the networking is extremely valuable, not just to have someone that, you know, you can get a job referral or get it in. Um, but genuinely I talked about the relationships earlier and just having those people who have different perspectives. Um, I think as it relates to second years coming into business school, the reason why a lot of those conversations are so important is because it's not just about getting someone who can refer you when the time is right. It's about, does the company pass the sniff test? right? It, if you're focusing on smaller startup companies, then that might not be as applicable. But if you're focusing on bigger companies that um, are well known or that most people have heard of, a lot of companies sound really sexy on the surface. And so you're diving into your research and you're like, oh, I would love to work for this company. And then you have the first conversation or a couple of conversations and you realize this culture sucks. And for some people, they're like, I'm fine with not the best culture for a couple of years for the opportunities that it creates and name on the resume and the growth that I'll experience, but others really value that culture. And so a company that seems really great on the surface, but not, might not necessarily be once you kind of dig into it, that is essentially doing your research. It's, it's research that you can't do online. And I think that's extremely valuable. And it's not just having a conversation to, have an in to the company. And then on the flip side, you might have some companies, um, startups that you might have never considered and you have one conversation and it really excites you. Um, or even a bigger company, I, I don't know, maybe in an industry or just a company that doesn't necessarily have the best reputation and you have a couple of conversations and say, you know, the values or the people on this team really resonate with me then that changes everything. And that makes the difference between applying to something. Well, in that situation, it's you weren't going to apply, but you're really inspired. And maybe that leads into, who knows, the company that you spend your career at. Or on the flip side, you're going to apply to five roles at this company because of the big name. And if you have some conversations and realize it's not a good fit, that's going to save you a lot of time down the road. So just like everything you can do on the internet with research, 
this is just a, a different type of primary research. Yeah, and tying to something that you mentioned earlier, so all of that agreed, but I also think it, you know, from a networking perspective, it's a great time to build relationships with other MBA students from other MBA programs. Um, and I think that some of this naturally happened, particularly for folks who were affiliated with programs like Forte or Ramba or Consortium, because you just have that network of people. But I, I'm starting to see from my end and from my conversations with people just a more willingness to do this, particularly again, because if everyone's digital, like, well, why not? Right. And, you know, um, and for many MBA students, you know, you who do go to uh, uh, intern at larger companies, you get you you already get exposed to these people already in terms of your internships and making those connections. But uh, that is another avenue. It is another network that is there for you. And I think even more so now than ever before. And I think it will continue to be the case that this is a chance uh, for you to further those relationships. And I think second year is a great time. Um, to do that. I mean, certainly don't forget about the ones you have at school, but um, it is a great opportunity to kind of strengthen some of those relationships or further the ones you made from the summer with the other fellow interns. I think that's an amazing point. And it ties into when I mentioned earlier about wanting to, to bring something up about this. What I, I always try and think about things relatively to relative to the situation you're in. And with a lot of the things that happen in business school, I'm always trying to think, you know, you're surrounded by people who are maybe speaking so highly of something or who are, I don't know if I can swear on this, so I'm not going to, who are uh, pooping on things or putting things down. Um, and what I was always trying to understand is, is this something that happens at every business school or is this just unique to our program? Um, and I think that's where having those friends or connections in different programs and across the country, and especially during COVID, is is really important and really helpful um, to just say, well, maybe this is something that I'm not super crazy about. And then you talk to other people and they're saying the same thing, but on a greater scale. And then it becomes instead of like, oh, well, this is less than ideal to actually it's not as bad or it's not as severe here as, as it is in my friends at XYZ school. Um, so I think the, the connections and other programs across the country are really helpful to keep that perspective, which is a theme that we've brought up multiple times. Yeah. Um, but, but as you mentioned, as it relates to the career search, it's very helpful uh, just having kind of other interns in your shoes with a slightly different perspective. Yeah. And the other thing I want to layer, I think I can layer in there is as you think about, as students think about their uh, second year is the, you know, going off the whole talk about the internship, um, I, I'm going to start to push and really push people to, to not treat the summer internship as the, 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 only, the only test of experience, right? And particularly if you're someone who is, not going to be recruiting until April or May. Um, so much so that I, I've actually had some conversations with people this summer where I said, do you like what you're doing in your summer internship? And they said, yes. And I said, okay, did you ask your manager if you can continue on in the fall? And they said, I know, like, why would I do that? And I'm like, well, let me ask you another question. Why wouldn't you do that? And then they were like, oh, like, 
Yeah, actually, that's a good point. And a number of them actually went and did it. Not everyone got it, but there are a couple who actually were able to get uh, their internships extended into the fall um, because they yeah. were having a good experience and they wanted to continue. And their manager was thrilled, you know, and provided they could get the budget, they were thrilled to keep, keep them on. Um, but yeah. uh, it, particularly if you're someone who is not, um, if you're not recruiting until the spring, um, why not? Or if you, um, I don't it, it, it depends on how this all works out. Like if you are going to go back to where you are, like why not get more experience either what you did or with something in, in addition to what you did? Uh, because, uh, because you have the time. Um, and you're in a lot of cases, you're not necessarily constrained uh, uh, physically presence wise, right? Because everything is going to be virtual anyway. And so, um, you know, I think before, um, a lot of times, you know, companies would want their interns to show up to an office and things like that. But you, since you can't do that anyway, you know, your your options are a little bit more uh, robust than maybe they would have been previously. And so that would be another thing that I would push. I don't know. What do you think? I, I love that. And the, the reason I love that is because there's so much upside and there's a very little downside. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to. You're never going to get it. That is so rude that you would even ask that. We're just going to take away your internship offer, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the, you, you have to be diplomatic and, sure. and respectful about it. But um, I, you phrase it of like, I understand what everyone's going through and the situation and what may or may not be feasible. But the worst thing that happens is they say, no, wish we could or um, no, but that's a great idea the best thing that happens is you get it and you get it for pay. And another great alternative is you get it and maybe it's not for pay, but you can get credit or there's some other incentive. And if there's anything beyond the the financial incentive is if you are going back to that company, you can start and I'm marketing a branding guy. I'm going to say this, but you start to build your brand and, and prove your internal value at that company. And whether it's interning and continuing your internship or even in a different group, you're kind of building your value. And that goes such a long way when you do start in person. Um, think about the doors that it might open or just the, the learning curve that everyone has to go through. Maybe you have... I don't know if minimize is the word, but you've made it not as steep. You've flattened the learning curve. Yeah. If you totally, will. Totally. No, I think, I think that's right. And as a follow up to that, because um, I do think you're right about the brand building your brand piece, but something that you mentioned earlier was you, uh, something you did in your second year was built a little bit around your portfolio of, uh, of work um, and the like. And I do, I think that is another great time uh, to focus on it, whether you've already decided where you want to work and you have the time to do it, or if you're, if you know, you're going to be job hunting and you want to make sure that you have something to talk about. Um, so could you maybe talk a little bit about, you know, maybe some of the things that you did or what you focused on when you were doing some of that work? Of course, for me, um, focusing on, uh, marketing brand strategy roles, it obviously is a bit of a better fit. Um, I can't speak to what a finance portfolio would be um, beyond the basics. Thank you, Clemens, our finance professor, to teach a few of the basics. But um, for me, I, I took a little bit of what I did. Obviously, from an internship, you can't necessarily pull things based on um, what's proprietary. But 
some of the classes that I did, group projects, I think some people don't necessarily realize that a lot of your work that you do in school for a class is a great display of your versatility in different aspects of business or just some of your best work on your designing creative skills. So my portfolio was a combination of some class projects I did. Um, it was some slides from a case competition. It was um, a three slide presentation of my sales pitch to run for the president of the NBA golf club. And, and when you bring in a few different aspects, you just show that you're multidimensional. Um, and you just show your ability to uh, just bring value in, in different ways. And I thought that was pretty helpful because it's not like I'm going into a, like a creative design role. Right. But yeah. when you're in something under the marketing umbrella, they do like to see that, that you have that different perspective. Um, so I think that was really, really important. Perspective is the, a buzzword that I've kept bringing up. I realized that. And another theme that it ties back to is leaning on your support system. I have a career advisor who I adore, who is extremely helpful for me. I have a lot of friends who I leaned on and I sent through the portfolio and said, Hey, if you're a recruiter or not even as a recruiter, just as a marketing person, like, what do you think? And a couple of them loved it. And a couple of them said, I really like this, but you should really put this yeah. piece of work first, or you should yeah. take this one out. Cause I get what you're getting at, but it doesn't make sense. So again, like the, the multiple, um, getting feedback from multiple people is never a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think all that is great advice. And I encourage everyone to go and build, build a portfolio to whatever degree that they're comfortable doing. I think it's a worthwhile exercise if for anything to get a better, to actually like summarize what you did, what you've done in school. Right. And, and really mm -hmm. pick out some of those key highlights that you think might be worth sharing externally or that could come in handy. Um, we could go keep, I, I think you probably have something else you want to add, but keep going. Yeah. The last thing that I thought is an add on there is even if you go through this exercise and you're like, eh, nah, not really feeling this or the portfolio might not be for me. Maybe you still pull a couple of great stories that come up yeah. in an interview, sure. or maybe you start to pull trends from the work you've done saying, well, in all my group projects, I gravitate towards uh, this part of the presentation. Maybe I'm always focusing on the competitive analysis. And that can be informative in terms of a career path or just totally. um, maybe some great talking points. A hundred percent. So my portfolio during my second year was MBA schooled and look where we are now. So I uh, selfishly, I am a, a big proponent of this for um, very, very selfish reasons. But, um, but no, I mean, and for me, it was a career, it was, a, it was a chance for me to put some skills to use that I had built um, to do something that I, I truly enjoyed do like I, I truly did it because I didn't enjoy it. I never expected it to maybe morph into what it has, but I'm certainly grateful that it did. And um, I also like you was playing quite a bit of golf and needed another outlet to spend my time. So um, love it. On that uh, on that note, uh, any uh, uh, any last uh, any last pieces of advice here, particularly for. Uh, second year is kind of going into, you know, their, their, their last year of business school. And I think you've given a lot of great advice so far and shared a lot of great insights about how you navigated 
through that last quarter, but also various elements of your second year. But anything else you want to add just to kind of impart um, uh, any other wisdom you want to impart before, uh, before we wrap up for the day? It's funny that I was thinking about that the other day and it's that I've talked to some of my friends um, at Macomb's going back to their second year, talked to some of my friends starting business school now at Macomb's and elsewhere. And yes, COVID compromises so much, but business school is still a blast and you learn so much about yourself and you grow in so many ways. And I think that is something that you just can't forget when you're going into this environment. It's still a very unique two years of your life, whether it's COVID or not. Um, and I think don't be afraid to, it sounds super cheesy, but don't be afraid to, to step out of the comfort zone and do something different because that's how you're going to learn. And I think a lot of people, not just in business school, but other grad school programs like some of those years are where you learn so much about your, yourself and you grow so much as a person. Um, and just because of this stupid little virus, it doesn't mean that that can't still happen. I a hundred percent agree with you, Brad. Thanks so much for jumping on the NBA insider podcast and for sharing, uh, all your great insights and wisdom. Uh, first time for you, but we'll absolutely be having you back. So, uh, Appreciate you uh, you joining me today. Loved it. Uh, it's very easy to, to kind of talk and share your experience, especially as a graduate where I'm still very jealous of those who are a year or two behind me. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.